Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Week three of the NFL season upcoming here, pregame, postgame podcast. Mike Pacheco and Jim Zoki from uh, not quite a well, it is a highway, it's Highway 51. Yeah, it is a highway, actually. It's not an interstate highway, it's but it's got highway. traffic. It wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't have road traffic of some sort behind us. Well, you know, we haven't done an indoor podcast. Everything we've done so far has been outdoors. We try not to annoy the patrons of any place that we go <laughs> with our broadcast. As we pick up steam and the bandwagon is, is growing for the pregame, postgame podcast every week. And, uh, you know, the bobbleheads will be out soon, the hats and T-shirts. Just give us a few weeks. Absolutely. Maybe we get to throw out a first pitch or something at a night's game. How many years did it take you as a Knights baseball announcer to get to throw out a first pitch finally? I think this was my 14th season. Well, and, I've, 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 and probably 20-something in baseball. I'm still waiting. Yeah, You're still waiting? You Paul Shad got to throw out a first pitch. I haven't got to throw it. Well, Paul, Paul Shad had a bobblehead doll. Did he throw out the pitch too? Or just uh, a bobblehead? No, they both, yeah. 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 I'm just a seasonal part-time fill-in <laughs> for the Knights. So another 10 years and you get to throw Maybe, out a first yeah, pitch. Maybe Bo Thompson like, <laughs> will line up the entire morning show, John Stokes. Boomer with traffic. Yeah, get the sales department together and get uh, get like a group bobblehead. Let's make this dog. happen. Make this happen. I like it. I it's want you to be my catcher too. I'm just gonna like <laughs> fire one in like over your head maybe or something to the backstop. I thought maybe you'd like try to th- throw a knuckleball. So yeah. I have to get one of those like huge <laughs> mitts. Yeah. <laughs> See if I catch you with a one hopper. So after week one of the NFL season, it was uh, Super Bowl, and then uh, after week two, it was not the Super Bowl. So okay, who are we gonna draft? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Actually, it's not that bad. It's only two games in, and I think. Uh, you know, we talked about this on the on the post game show after the game on Sunday. As, as poorly, I think as the Panthers play, they still had an opportunity late to tie the game and then give yep. themselves a chance in overtime. So I think it's while disappointing that they had the the game that they had, and really even Ron Rivera said it at the press conference on Monday, a little disappointing maybe the defensive line that seemed to be kind of the crux of where the issues were. But uh, the sky's not falling, and this team still has uh, you know a lot of work to do. He used the word lazy, which made my yeah. ears perk up because yeah. I've been told that before, that <laughs> you're lazy. But I've never heard it said about the Panthers' defense before, so that, that stunned me. Uh, Just he, make it through a full podcast. Yeah, he went through. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. That's yeah. one of our yeah. closing notes to be yeah. things we quit at yeah. in our lives, along with Monte Davis of the Bills. But uh, he, he mentioned a lull, and then it became lazy with the defense. Yeah. And, you know, they take all three phases seriously, but there's a special defensive presence with this organization with Ron Rivera and Eric Washington in his first year, and a standard that he talked about in the press conference Monday that they're held to on defense in particular. So to give up 170 rushing yards was very atypical. They yep. never give up a 100-yard rusher, which they did to Tevin Coleman. They had been 21 straight without 100 21 yards. straight, and yeah. no quarterback sacks. I think only two quarterback pressures, yeah. in fact, and two quarterback hits anyway in the game. So those are things that are very atypical of the defense. And like Matt Ryan, if you get pressure on him, you can yes. really get him off his game. Yep. Andy Dalton's the same way. They've got a good offensive line, so it's very important that they are sound on the defensive front because if you let Andy Dalton run free back there, it's going to be a repeat. Yeah, and it's and we talked. Shannon and I talked about that in the postgame show as well. Coming up, it's a. I mean, not. I mean, I guess they're more similar in styles than they're not similar. 
uh, when you look at what Andy Dalton can do. And, he, yeah, he's, you give him a lot of time with A.J. Green. You know, Joe Mixing, if they, they put together a running game and they have uh, a passing game that they get to. And, you know, defensively, you know, they have some good weapons. You know, Vontez Perfect is a guy that uh, everybody knows about. But I hate that guy. I hate that dirty guy. Play. No, dirty play. Talk birds. about dirty. Well, talk about in uh, Kazee's play against Cam Newton. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I guess uh, they said yesterday no suspension, but he'll probably get a heavy fine. I mean, that was almost as blatant uh, a, a, t- a targeting hit as I've seen in the NFL. It's tough to get a suspension on those, yeah. but the ejection was warranted. The fine will be obviously happening too, but it does take a – I think if he had knocked Cam out of the game, like if Cam had right. lost time, I think they would have retributed by saying, well, you lose time right. beyond the one game there. So I think that's what happened there. But perfect, you know, of course – Going back to him and Pac-Man Jones back yeah. in the day, in particular when they were both in that playoff game against Pittsburgh, was was brutal. So hopefully he's toned it down since then. You know, one thing I did like uh, immediately after, even though it, it was a, a personal foul and it negated the, the hit because he had on, but I like that Torrey Smith was immediately there to kind of say, hey, uh-uh, not, not, not in our quarterback. You have to almost do it. I mean, even yeah. though you hate to give back the 15 yards, it's like in baseball, as you know, they're going to brush back the guy yeah, or hit him right. more likely than not. Hockey, they're just going to settle it right then and there, yeah. drop the gloves and have that happen. Uh, so I think in football, you almost expect there's going to be that retaliation. Wish you could do it without getting the 15 yards, but of course, no suspension for Torrey Smith in that one. But I think, again, like you said, the sky is not falling. The Panthers are a good football team. Let's also recognize they're in a tough spot roster-wise. Yeah. That they've got a lot of injuries coming in. you had a left tackle play every snap who wasn't even right. with the team last I week know. in Chris Clark. So I think they did a good job holding the fort there. In fact, it was surprising. They ended up with about 440 in terms of yards with that banged-up offensive line. No Greg Olson, no Bird, no Samuel was amazing, and I think people kind of take for granted no Thomas Davis for the second week or in a row. Got two more weeks of that on defense. And one of the things I thought was interesting, there was some, and again, it's Twitter, so take Twitter criticism from eggs that, that, uh, how you will. I thought there was some unwarranted uh, criticism of Cam Newton. I thought he I thought he played very well. I mean, he had uh, uh, what, uh, 13. That was one of his best games, honestly, yeah. as a Panther. And But I'd say it was like 13 passes were incomplete, and I would say at least – 80% of those, 90% of those were, were catchable balls. I mean, Well, his one interception was yeah. C.J. Anderson yeah. straight into the air, hit, it, hit right. the target. Yeah. So, yeah, I think at least a uh, number of uh, incompletions, half of those were drops, uh, not on him. So I thought 335 passing, he ran for almost 50 yeah. yards. I mean, three touchdown passes, the one interception was not on him. I think in terms of a well-rounded overall game, I thought it was one of his best as, as a Panther. And, as, when you, and when you look at the, the maturation of Cam Newton, and you know, I think every year he's done something to take steps forward. And I think this year was just a continuation of that in that, you know, the game plan this year was to, you know, maybe not be the, the quote-unquote riverboat gambler, right? Uh, but not being the guy that's going to throw the ball downfield, maybe unnecessarily, but take the checkdowns, take what the defense gives them. And, I, you know, when you look at the catches that Christian McCaffrey had, oh I mean, 14 of 15, he, uh, and one was a throwaway. So, uh, in fact, McCaffrey right now is second in the NFL. I looked this up this morning. He's second in the NFL in receptions. Yeah, I mean, which we expected that he would mm-hmm. have a high volume, but 14 tied a franchise record. So it is going to be important, though, because as all teams do, this is a chess match. Teams are going to start trying to take that away which with him is easier said than done. It's hard to track him all over the field. But they're going to try to take him away a little bit, maybe hold him up at the line. So other players are going to have to step up. C.J. Anderson, I'd like to see him run the ball more, honestly. He's a very good running back. He had three carries, 31 yards. Um, Questionable hands in the pass game from this past week. Hopefully that's not a theme that continues. But, you know, you look at Ian Thomas had an opportunity, dropped one in the end zone, filling in for Greg Olson. 
Uh, you need bigger plays, I think, from all the guys. I th- of all the guys I want to see get more involved, and Coach referred to it this week, is the potential and the, the ceiling of uh, D.J. Moore. Absolutely. Because the catch after the run is what they drafted him for. He's a guy who's thinking six. He's thinking yeah. not just catch the ball, can I make this into a, a big, big play? And I, I like that potential. Well, especially on that touchdown. It was a 51-yard uh, touchdown reception, and I'd say it was probably roughly 25 on the catch, and then the rest of it, the 20, the rest of the 26 was on the touchdown. Yeah. Or, or actually the yards after. After the yak, the yards after the catch. Yeah, the yak. That's what it's all about in football. The yak. The yak. That's the, the name is... of our podcast, the yak. <laughs> it's the yak. All right, I want to talk kickers. There's stuff going on around yeah. the league. We're, we had, back in the, in the day a few years ago, we had Graham Gano midseason off the scrap heap right. as Washington had released him. So it's amazing to think. Here's a guy, you talk about making every field goal. He was 29 out of 30 last year. His only miss was 55, went to the Pro Bowl, who was sitting at home. And then we saw this week just an abundance of kicking changes this week as – now you got Dan Bailey back in the league with the Vikings as Carlson gets cut after they had that tie. Did you see the Zimmer press conference? Oh, yeah. When they, when they, they I mean, so they, blunt. Yeah, they basically said, yeah, was it a tough decision? Nope. He's like, did you see the game? <laughs> yeah. <did you> see? <laughs> nope. Okay. Not tough. Zane Gonzalez misses four different kicks for Cleveland, and they get Greg Joseph, of all people, who I only know because we had the Dolphins in the preseason. Right. And then uh, you've got the injury, of course, Zerline with the Rams. They bring Finken back. But yeah. uh, it's it's tough early for week two to right. have that many kicking changes in the league. Now, does this mean Ray Finkel maybe has an opportunity maybe to Maybe Ray back? Finkel has a yeah. chance. Could happen, absolutely. So you appreciate a guy like Graham Gano and the fact that absolutely. he's ton- uh, turned his career around and how good he's been for the Panthers. Well, in, in the way the salary disbursements have, have come, right? I mean, they're, they're, it goes in cycles, it seems like. There are years where you're going to put some money into kickers and, and you have faith in them, and then it seems like the last year and a half, teams have really wanted to try and go cheap on that, and it's bit them a little bit. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, especially when you, you look really, at like the, the, they're, they're priceless when it gets down to the final kick in an overtime game like the Vikings had, and the guy misses the kick. I want to say this about ties. They need to go away, and the league is missing yeah. a big opportunity, and here's why. You've invested five quarters into a game. It's, you know, as much as everyone wants to see it conclude, you've also now built the drama up to yeah. this incredible game, whether it's week one or week two, doesn't matter. Let's get a decision. Neither team wants that. None of the fans want a tie. It's like a non-event. This is not soccer. Um, there's no points in, in the right. standings for a tie. So I think, you know, it, it, I'll be honest. Go to the college rule. I would like to see the college rule right out of the shoot, first of all. Right. And over time, that, that, that be, I like that, that way of doing it. But not count the stats, because I think the stats matter in the NFL right. more than they right. do in college. But just uh, just play it out for the conclusion right. of the win. Or, at this point, play the extra quarter and then go to the college rule. I don't want to just see like a, a shootout. Right. But do the thing where you line up at the 25 or pick at the 30, whatever the case is, and just decide the game and give the fans an outcome and give the players an outcome. I think you just put them in on second base to start. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yes, that's, that's, that's the minor league rule. <laughs> I agree with you. I think you have to have an outcome, and you can't have a Minnesota Green Bay game end in a tie. Like that's just—I mean, not that you can have any game do that, but that's one of the biggest rivalries in your sport. I mean, right. it'd be like the Red Sox and Yankees playing to like a nine-nine tie. You don't want to see that. You want to see. Right. And I think also, now it did help the Panthers sort of right the one year that they had that six-seven in one year. Uh, and they still, you know, won the division. Seven eight one, yeah, or seven eight one. I know um, math; it's early. <laughs> well, for me, it's early. I mean, the, the sun <laughs> just came up well, barely. But um, I, let's look around the league. I know there are c- kind of two or three things I, I thought were kind of interesting. I think if I had told you in August that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be the leading passer after two games and Tampa Bay would be two and zero, you would have thought I was like uh, sports info wars. I mean, to me, that's one of the biggest. But you surprises. told Jameis Winston that, yeah, or t- yeah. Now, does he, here's the question. Does he have his job back 
I would say no. I mean, why would you? You're 2-0. You beat two really good teams. Your quarterback's throwing for 400 yards and four touchdowns in both games. You can't do better than that. You don't mess with that. I mean, this is Nick Foles all over again. Now, Fitzpatrick falters later on, right. tails off, Short gets leash. injured, whatever. But you know, you never know. Guys, come on. I mean, who would have thought Jake DeLum would be playing in a Super Bowl? Who would have right. thought Nick Foles would be winning a Super Bowl, yeah. quite honestly? I, I never would have Don't mess that. with success because the worst thing that can happen is you put Jameis Winston in because you're supposed to. And then the team starts losing, which is not, you know, it's about wins and losses. So I wouldn't. I would not put Jameis Winston back in. Maybe the other biggest surprise is Miami starting out 2-0. and Although it's, yeah. not the, it's not like the, theirs is different from Tampa Bay because they beat Tennessee and the New York Jets, whereas the Buccaneers beat the Saints and the defending champion the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a much tougher thing. But good for if you're a Miami fan that they're off to a good start with what they've got going on down there so far. But it's a long season and to be determined on a lot of these teams, including Tampa Bay. Yeah. So only time will tell. But you know, ride the hot hand while you got it. Why Absolutely. would you mess with success? Right. The other thing I'm surprised about was the, you know, the Browns traded Josh Gordon. I'm not surprised that that happened. Right. They traded him to New England. But I'm kind of surprised that Josh Gordon is going to be on an NFL roster and maybe possibly playing before Des Bryant. I think about this, though. I think that um, more is happening than what they're saying. The Saturday thing where he was late for the meeting. There was yeah. this talk about he was out of sorts. The hamstring. There's like all this convoluted stuff. I think they've been dealing with a lot of kind of bending the rules for him a little right, bit. Right. And just you know, had he's enough. not been legally doing enough to get suspended again by the right. league, but he looks like he's tiptoeing right up to it. And you can't have separate team rules where everyone's on time except Josh Gordon. Yeah. And so at some point, he's been given so many allowances. I understand why they cut bait on that. I kind of hate they gave him to New England from a competitive standpoint. This is like giving a great player to the Golden right. State Warriors or anyone else. On the other hand, if I'm Josh Gordon, this is not the best landing spot for you. Eric Decker just retired this preseason. Yeah. Brandon LaFell didn't like it there. I think it was Chris Long, one of the linemen, said he would rather no play fun. somewhere else and enjoy right. football than win a Super right. Bowl and go through the not fun right. of playing for well, New Chad England. Chad Osocinco didn't, you know. The, it's interesting. It's not for everybody. In New England, is, but what's, I think what's interesting about the Patriots is that they put, they, they're put they not afraid to put a flyer on a guy. But they're also not willing to, they're not afraid to quickly, cut bait quickly too. either. Yeah. And so, this is going to be a guy that's going to be, if he's late and things like that, they're not going to put up with that. The thing for them is um, it's not much of an investment. He's only making no, no. less than 800000 right. It's a fifth-round draft pick. So the risk is small. The reward, if it works out, is huge. But you're also going to have to play babysitter with him. I mean, right. there's a lot of, like, extra eyes and things you got to do to get Josh Gordon there and ready. Even if he comes out of the gate and has success, it's a week-to-week proposition with him. Well, and it's one of those deals, too, where he's going to have to – I think going into it, since it's a new organization – it's not the organization that really gave him a lot. Of, I mean, the Browns probably went above and beyond Call of Duty to, Absolutely to, did, to give yeah. him chances. But maybe it sinks in now that this is maybe like a last chance, you know, not like that TV show, like the last chance you. <laughs> right. But maybe it's like, a, you know, this might be his last chance in the league, and if he, if he can't make it with New England, uh, or if he does make it in New, Eng- New England, maybe it's a chance to springboard and get his career and his life, more importantly, get his life back on track, because that seems to be yeah. the, the bigger issue. I think issue. it does have a lot of last chance elements to it, because I, I know Cleveland, for this is going back years. Yeah. last good year he has was 2013. Yeah. I mean, this has been going on for yeah. years. They've stood by the suspensions, dealing with some of the things going on. And Yes, you hope you get his life in order, but at some point it is on Josh Gordon, not everyone else, to get right. Josh Gordon's life in order. And the other thing is, you know, if you're, you get, you got to be accountable for yourself. If it doesn't work out for you, you know, you can't bring down the other teammates. Like, yeah. say, quitting at halftime of a game and letting your teammates down. That is one of the most amazing stories I have ever. Sharon and I were laughing about that on the post game show on on Sunday. Like, I've never heard. Have you ever heard of such a thing? 
No. In fact, players in that locker room, I've watched ex-players talk about it on TV this week, analyzing it, have never heard of just flat-out quitting your career right. at halftime, especially – I've seen things like during the NBA season last year, Rodney Hood of the Cavaliers refused to get off the bench to play garbage time because <laughs> right. he was pouting that he wasn't right. playing more. Right. This is a case of he started the game. Yeah, He was an integral part of their game plan going into the week. Yes, they were down 28-6 at halftime, but to just quit at halftime, why can you not finish out the game and just go, this is my last half, or go to the coach and say, fake an injury. Yeah. Uh, coach, if you got someone else, you might want to play them. Use right. me as a last resort. Right. But, I mean, why would you just – Want that to be your legacy because we weren't talking about Vontae Davis till he did no. this, and now he pissed off a, a locker room full of teammates and anyone who likes football that knows that guys take shots, take pills, play yeah. through injuries. This guy just walks out healthy at halftime. Yeah, and because he he felt like he wasn't playing to his standard, which okay, I can understand that. But then he he also said, and I, and I I guess I can understand this too. He said something about you know he realized he was done in his head and he didn't want to risk getting further hurt. But to your point, you've played four preseason games. A game and a half, and now you just and ten years say, on top out. of that. Yeah, ten years on top of that. You don't think you can make it through the next sixty minutes? Yeah, <laughs> it's just. I mean, we've seen guys before, like in baseball, pitchers maybe have a bad outing, walk off at the end of the game, say, "Okay, I'm done." But right. it's not like they they left the before the uh, left the dugout and left the clubhouse before the game was over. That's crazy. It's like I just picturing the scene at halftime. He's there by himself. He doesn't tell anybody. It's twenty-eight to six. I'm in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah I don't really <laughs> want to be here. <laughs> I got other things I want to do. Well, the other thing is, though, I mean, it's a little understandable. I mean, it's Buffalo. They're, they're off to a bad start again. There are better ways of doing it. No, no, definitely. There's more professional ways of doing Let's it. Let's close with that. Um, bad bad quitting. And it, 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 I'll give you a second to mull yours over yeah. as I begin. Of times we've quit. I think we've all quit at some point, and maybe we've grown a, learned a lesson from it. I did it during freshman basketball in high school. We had a horrible team that would go on to win two, t- uh, two wins all year. And it was um, during the holiday break, and I was just looking forward to holiday break. And it had been a bad season up to that point already. I was a bench player, so I wasn't getting a lot of minutes. Kind of like Rodney Hood in a lot of ways. And uh, we had two-a-days, like, as a penalty. Like, he wanted to practice us up just to get us even more ready. And after, like, the second day, we practiced, like, on Thanksgiving morning even. It was, like, the Friday after Thanksgiving. I'm like, nah, I just (laughs) – I don't feel like I don't feel like going. I just like I just quit going. I went. Uh, I didn't. I didn't show up. I didn't do anything. And I just uh, school started the next Monday, and I see my buddies are like, "Coach is wondering like where you were all week." I'm like, yeah, I just didn't feel like going. I mean, I'm just not really playing, so I didn't want to. So I ended up quitting, and uh, I regretted it instantaneously yeah. as the season wore on. It was hard watching the rest of the season and my buddies on the team. Luckily for me. Uh, freshman coaches are different than the JV and, and varsity coach. I had a different coach the next year. The freshman coach was gone on top of that. So I was able to restart the career sophomore year. But I tell you, that whole rest of the season, those few months, I just hated myself for doing that because not so much letting down my yeah. teammates at that level, but I you know, just really missed that being on the team and being part of your identity. I didn't. I forgot the fun parts of it right. and just so you got through that those double-day practice, things like that. But uh, quitting's never good. If you commit to a season or a team, right. you should at least finish it out before you do anything. All right, mine is uh, not technically sports-related, although uh, my freshman year in college, I was playing football. So I played three years at Merrimack. Senior year, the school quit on us. They uh, <laughs> they disbanded the program. Um, and so I didn't get to play my senior year, which you was – You were Tulane. Yeah, basically. Uh, so, but my freshman year – uh, you know, we had like I had a little bit of a scholarship, not not to play sports. It was an academic scholarship, and my my parents said, well, "You still have to find, even though you're you're playing football, that's your choice, but you still have to find a part time job." So, I was working uh, 
as a like an usher in the for the hockey games and for the athletic department. And then I I found this job like my first weekend on campus. I went to this like it was a kind of a fancy restaurant, but it was just like it was a white linen tablecloth restaurant. The uh, average age of the customers was like seventy five. The average age of the staff I think was sixty five. And I think by by many light years, I was like the youngest person there. And it was just, I'd worked in a restaurant all through high school, so it wasn't the, working in the restaurant didn't bother me, but I just felt like a fish out of water. I mean, it was just, so I, I did one shift and peace out. Did you leave mid-table? No, I did not leave mid-table, but <laughs> you I finished out the table. I finished out my shift, and then I, I think I came back because they, um, they did this thing where they pulled tips, but like, I, I guess I had a short shift because I was technically training, so I had to I had to go back and get the tip money, and, and it was then that I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. Did you let your teammates down? Did you feel like you let Esther and uh, well Esther and, and George, yeah, and, and, and Flo, Carol. who had the big beehive haircut, like the the hairdo? Uh, I, I feel like I did. I felt like uh, John in the in the grill, the kitchen, the chef. Yeah. I felt like I let chef down. So I'm, I'm guessing for two reasons: one, that you quit working there; two, you couldn't afford to eat there. You probably never went back to that restaurant again. I never. Well, and it was it closed down two years later. And now it's a uh, – well, this will mean something to our listeners that are from uh, the Boston area. It became a Bertucci's. Oh, okay. Uh, they, which they had one here at uh, Park and Woodlawn, like in the early 2000s, and now it's, I think, Libretto's. Nice. Well, uh, right, the bus is here. we got to go. we got to get the bus. Our public transportation has <laughs> arrived. <laughs> I can tell by the, the bus signal that our, our time is up for Episode 6 of the pregame, postgame podcast. We need to stage like a – Next time we do it here, have somebody in a like eighteen wheeler drive by and yeah. like honk the horn. Just whenever we hear like some kind of signal, we'll just stop. Whether it's two minutes in or fifteen minutes into our podcast every week. So anyway, hopefully you'll tune in. One o'clock kickoff this week on WBT with myself, Mick, and Eugene. I'll have the pregame at ten with the stadium show. Uh, Mike, you, do you have Brett back? Yeah, this Brett's week back. Brett's back post-game? from uh, his two-week uh, NASCAR. Hiatus he tour. was in Vegas yeah. last week, he right? Was in Vegas, Is he baby. back with more or less money? Do we think? Um, you know, I should have had him put some. Uh, some um, long-term, you know, you call the futures. I, sh- I like doing the go. future bets. What's the over/under that he's either over or under from what he had? <laughs> I'm gonna take the Vegas. over that he's under. Nice. And you're off to Boston, so you got a big week coming up. Yeah, so big week coming up. I'll be back. Uh, yeah, my buddy Listo Fisher, uh, longtime uh, radio news anchor in Boston, is inducted into the Massachusetts Broadcasters Hall of Fame. So nice. Going up to support him, and then. Uh, Are you doing his induction speech like they do at the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No, I am not. Okay. Uh, I am not. I didn't. I, I didn't get that honor, but uh, I. Uh, yeah, it's a free lunch, so it'd be good to get to see my family. So always a free lunch. Always a good time. Always it's a free all lunch. Of fame. All right. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Bengals coming up and uh, get to see uh, my buddy Dan Horde, who's the uh, radio play-by-play guy for the Bengals. He used to be the Pawtucket Red Sox. He's a long-time Cincinnati. He did some, like, Reds TV, and he, I think he was, like, a he was a pre-post guy, too. Nice. Yeah. I think for, like, Reds TV or Many something Many of the like best that. ones were. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work with Marty Brenneman back in the day, so quick story on that. So, Marty, still doing the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. he's 75 years right, old. Right, He was like Carolina, right, or? He did, yes, and I think he's over 40 years with the Reds yeah. now. But they used to do the for those who've been around long enough, the old Diet Pepsi Tournament of Champions. Yeah. And so they would do Carolina would play College of Charleston, got a big right. win against them one year there. So I did that for a number of years, doing the pre half and post. And then Marty had conflicts. I got to do the play by play for a couple of years with Dan Bonner. So got to meet growing up in Ohio for me one of the radio legends That's of our awesome, business, yeah. Marty Brenneman, uh, years ago. That's awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week on the pregame postgame podcast. Monday.
It's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.